Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Hey, Bills Mafia, we know there's only one topic every day, all Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovee and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bovee, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. We uh, had to get this one out a little earlier because we don't want everybody... You know, searching for it's always game day in Buffalo and Thanksgiving. We want you to enjoy it with your family and friends. What do you got going on? How's that turkey coming? You cooking it already? Watched a couple more videos to try and figure out what the heck I'm doing. Also, I would imagine that there's people who are driving back to Buffalo or driving to family and friends' house. So maybe they're listening to the podcast on the road. So if you're traveling for the holiday, safe travels to you and your family. I hope everybody has a great holiday. And yeah, I got to figure out how the heck I'm supposed to cook a turkey because I've watched like five different videos and everybody says to do something a little bit different. I don't know if I'm supposed to baste it, if I'm supposed to just put butter under the skin and that's enough to keep it moist. I don't know if I'm supposed to like do the word that starts with an S. I don't know what it's called where you like split it and it like goes flat and then it cooks it more evenly. So I'm just going to try and hope that it works out. I don't know what that word is to be quite honest. Split it. What is it? Yeah, I don't. Let me look it up while you keep talking. I'm going to look it up. (laughs) All right. Well, we will. uh, I'll try to keep talking here about the bills. Spatchcock. Spatchcock is the word. Spatchcock. Yeah, how to spatchcock a turkey. This show took a very strange turn very quickly. (laughs) It's like when the turkey would be basically like you take out the backbone and then you spread it out flat. So I think it cooks more evenly. I'm basically a chef. You have a wishbone inside of a turkey, right? You have that too, right? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe. Don't you? Don't you ever did a wishbone? Like where you. You pull apart the whoever has the one at the thing at the end gets their wish. I know what I that know is. What I've that never is. done it though. Oh my gosh. Okay. I, I think, think that's weird that you've never done it. Uh, wishbone is okay. Yeah. So I think it's in every kind of bird. It's in every bird. Yeah. But it's not really only it's... when you cook the turkey that you do it though, right? I guess. On Thanksgiving, many Americans remove the wishbone from the turkey and two people pull at each end, making a wish. When it breaks, the person whose part has the centerpiece will have their wish come true. There you go. I know what it is. I know the people do it. it. I've just never done it. it All right. We got to do it now this year. And maybe you'll wish for a uh, Buffalo Bills victory against the Philadelphia Eagles because they have a very, very uh, interesting and challenging game coming up. On Sunday. In the meantime, we've had, you know, 48 hours here to reflect on what mm-hmm. happened this past Sunday. 
Uh, any thoughts more or less differently than what you had when you initially watched the game for the first time live before going back and watching it or taking in some of the data from Sunday's game against the Jets? You know what I think? I'm going to start right out of the gate hot. I think the Bills can win this game. I think the Bills can win their next two games. And I feel pretty confident. Not that they'll win both, but that they'll win one. I really do. I watched both of those teams play, and neither of them looked particularly dominant. The Eagles obviously just played like a very well-balanced game. I know the weather played a factor. They're going to be at home the couple days after Thanksgiving. They're in the Kelly Greens. It feels like everything is kind of stacked against the Bills. But the minute I saw the line, I thought that was interesting because that to me felt like Vegas was begging people to bet Vegas or to bet the Eagles, which usually is a good sign if you're the other team. And then as I watch the teams play, I'm like, the Bills can beat these guys. That doesn't mean they will, but it means they can. If the Bills play like they did against the Jets, which is obviously a much inferior opponent, I don't know if there's any team that they can't beat in this league. That's how good Josh looks. That's how much better the offense looks. And defensively, I don't know, it's tough to gauge them because they're now playing, they played against the third string Jets quarterback, Zach Wilson, who's already bumped down the depth chart two spots after that game. So I just think that this is a winnable game and it's a much more winnable game than I would have said a week ago or even like a month ago. I agree with that, but I do think the Bills still have to play a very, very, like not near perfect game. But they mm-hmm. just let's just say they can't make the they can't make the kind of mistakes they've been making. That's for sure. Which they didn't make many of them against the Jets. It was you know a, a team in the Jets that was very limited offensively. We know that. Here's mm-hmm. the way I keep thinking about it. I'm watching the game. You know the the Chiefs and the Eagles, and I agree with you. Neither team looked super dominant. The weather wasn't that great. But I get the feeling that you know if in, if you give them extra opportunities, they're going to make you pay. Look at think about the. Um, mm-hmm. Eagles, and you need to have as many opportunities as you can against the Chiefs because that defense is really, really good. Let's focus on the Eagles, though. That's the Bills' next opponent. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think they're a very good team. I think they do a lot really well offensively. They're very good defensively. They're getting after Patrick Mahomes. They're going to do so, you know, against Josh Allen and company. And I think the key to this game right now, as I sit here on a Tuesday as we record this, I've already formulated it. Just don't give them the ball. Don't turn it over, Matt. I think the Bills think the big thing I've thought about lately. Here's what I've thought about the last forty-eight hours. I've thought about the losses, New England, mm-hmm. Cincinnati, the Jets week one, and they all have a common theme. The Bills gave the ball away. Yep. I think the Bills stop giving the ball away. They win games. Yep. It's a pretty simple correlation, right? When you look at it that simply, the one thing that I'm a little bit concerned about for this matchup is the Eagles. They were not against the Chiefs in the first half. They've done an incredible job all year stopping the run. And it feels like that was kind of how the Bills snapped into things because they were getting effective carries on the ground and that made them a little bit more unpredictable and it made them a little bit more balanced. That's the one thing that's concerning. But the other aspect to that is that the Eagles allow more passing touchdowns than maybe any team in the NFL. And Josh Allen is certainly capable of stretching the ball all over the place. And they're coming off of a game where their passing offense looked better. So maybe this is going to be a game where we see Josh throw 35 to 40 pass attempts and if he can limit it to one interception then I think you've got a really good chance the minute you get over the one is when I think you start to really get concerned of like okay you've dug yourself a little bit too much of a hole but if you signed up if you knew every game there was going to be one interception I think the good usually outweighs the bad now it depends on the situation it depends on where on the field it is but we watched the Eagles have an interception against the Chiefs and still win actually did they have 
No, the Chiefs had the interception and the fumble from Travis Kelsey. The Eagles had an interception from Jalen Hurts. So, you know, those teams were able to overcome it. I think that's very true. Protect the football. But I also think that you can maybe get away with one, just not more than one. I am concerned about DeAndre Swift out of the backfield and yeah, hurting the Bills in the passing game. He's very good, and he hurt the Chiefs. And the Bills have been mm-hmm. hurt by running backs out of the backfield this year. Uh, they're even hurt a little bit, tiny bit, by Brees Hall. Brees Hall had a better game catching than he did running against the Bills yep, on Sunday. Yep. That is an area of concern for me against the Eagles. Do you think at all, I've thought back to, there hasn't been too many examples of this. They've played Lamar, what, three times the Bills? And they've done a, actually, well, four times, I think, if you count that first game, right? Didn't he, like, come in week one? 2018 or something yeah, yeah it wasn't really like he didn't play much that was a blowout but you're right they the bills have done a pretty good job on him yeah that was my point i mean like last year they did a great job against lamar in the playoffs they did an unbelievable job against lamar and then that first time they played him in 2019 they still lost the game but they contained him a lot better than most of the teams the ravens played that year and that is not to say that this is just like uh Jalen Hurts is Lamar Jackson. It's not even close to that. They're very, very different players, but a lot of Jalen Hurts' success, especially in the second half against the Chiefs, came because he started to scramble a little bit more, and he started to run a little bit more, and everybody knows about the tush push, but you got to make sure that you contain that guy, because if you don't contain that guy, he is going to destroy you on the ground, and then once he starts doing that, that opens up everything in the passing game. It's the same conversation we've had with Josh Allen. The minute you stop worrying about Josh Allen as a runner, as a defense, he becomes a much less dangerous passer, but when you know he can do both, that's when he can hit you over the top or when you're least expecting it. It's it's a very similar kind of game plan or a way of trying attacking a quarterback to that level of caliber, I guess you would say. So thinking back on the game, let's go look at back at the game against Sun- on Sunday. Again, take mm-hmm. a look at the data, and we are two days removed from that. You know, mm-hmm. one of the storylines coming out, and people, you know, they they call me on the radio on Monday and say it's great to see them, you know, spreading the ball around and not having to rely on you know Stephon Diggs or even Gabe Davis. I think it's a double edged sword because yes, that was nice, but Matt. Like. Stephon Diggs needs to be better than four for 26, and you got to get more from Gabe Davis. You can't live yeah, life yeah. The, that way every every Sunday, especially against better teams. Yeah, I don't think Ty Johnson is going to break off a deep touchdown on fourth and one multiple times, and you're not going to count on an 81-yard touchdown from Khalil Shakir on a regular basis. Yeah, you need more out of Stephon Diggs. You need more out of Gabe Davis. They're going to certainly focus on Diggs more than they're going to focus on Davis. This is my alarm going off to remind me that we're doing the podcast, by the way. I don't know if you just heard that in the background. But yeah, no, you need you need more production. You can certainly still lean on Kincaid. You obviously are going to probably get the most targets to Diggs. You need more from Davis, and then you need more from some of the secondary guys, the guys who we haven't really talked about, but at the same time, don't force it to them because it feels like every time they force a ball to Deontay Hardy, something bad happens, and Trent Shurfield has just been kind of invisible for most of the season. At some point, I thought we would see one of those guys have a big game or a big play. We just haven't yet. It's really just been Diggs, Davis inconsistently, and then Shakir Bread in a little bit and then Kincaid after that it's the running backs I mean I would say right now if you were putting in order their pass catchers and who is the most dangerous tell me if you agree I would go Diggs one Kincaid two and then I think it's a coin flip with Davis and Shakir as three and four or well actually no I might say James Cook and then Shakir and Davis on that note, I got a really interesting stat for you that I think is a big key to the game. Bills Eagles on Sunday. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Right, Matt. Now we live in this fantasy football world, right? So this is in a yeah, fantasy yeah. context, but it still is very relevant because I I know and I have to go and actually look at the actual like overall catches, receptions, yards. I don't have that in front of me, but I will tell you the Philadelphia Eagles are one of the worst teams in the league as far as a fantasy defense against tight ends. This could very well be a Dalton Kincaid game, but they have allowed a lot of fantasy points to tight ends this year. I know that playing fantasy football. And I do know that just numbers wise overall, and it would translate obviously. So I think this is a game where that could be the case. Now, the other part of this is Dawson Knox is eligible to return from IR. However, Sean McDermott said, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case this week. It'd be nice to have two pass catching tight ends available Mm -hmm. in a matchup like this, but I would at least be confident that Dalton Kincaid should be able to get his targets and be pretty productive in this game, which could be a huge factor. What does Kincaid need to do to take his game to the next level and really kind of like take over a game? Because we've had some flashes the last few weeks. I think his best game was probably the game against the Bengals where he had the fumble and that turned into kind of a backbreaking play for them. But besides that, he was really good. He had, I think, like high 80 yards or low 90 yards or something like that. But what does he need to do to kind of take over? Because we saw that in the first half against the Jets. And then in the second half, he disappeared. Now, I think part of that's game script as well. But, you know, when you see the guys like the Kelseys and the Andrews and like the really, really upper echelon guys, those guys get 10 targets, 90 yards, 80 yards, a touchdown. Like, what does he have to do to kind of take that next step to go from being like a really good option for them to being an elite option for them? Well, it's not necessarily on him. It's on him. It's on. Well, I'll tell you what the answer is, because it's on him and Joe Brady and Josh Allen. And that is, I think he needs more targets down the field. He's doing a really great job of catching the ball. He has one of the highest catch percentages in the league, but he doesn't have a very good, you know, uh, air yard target per reception, basically, if that makes sense. Um, In fact, let me throw this up here. I'm actually going to I'll bring this to you right now. Dalton Kincaid. As of I do I do stats for the Bills and tweet them out every Tuesday, like where they rank and all these different categories, and then where specific players rank and all these different categories. As of this Tuesday, um, going into this game, Dalton Kincaid is twenty first in the league in receptions. Like he's tied for twenty first really? league, which is yes. That wow. Amazing? wow. That's impressive. He has fifty one catches. Here's an issue though. He's 101st in the NFL in the average length of reception. That's not average yards per catch. He's actually 111th there. 101st, 4.25 yards per uh, length of reception, meaning air yards, the ball travels to him while Uh in the air. Only 4.25 average on those 50 
catches. So 51 catches. So that's got to improve. You want him to take that step? I think that's where it's got to be. Well, we saw it against the Broncos. He had the kind of deep touchdown there where Josh froze the defender, hits him over the top, Kincaid wide open in the end zone. That was a really nice play. I think what everybody's thinking of is Laporta, right, in Detroit, because he is used kind of all over the place, and he has been somebody who's been able to stretch the field and extend plays, and Kincaid has been able to do that. Kincaid By the way, Kincaid has passed him in receptions, 51 to 50, but Laporta has played one less game, I believe, but that is correct, yes. Yeah, but I mean, where on that list is Laporta? I would imagine his depth of target is probably, or depth of reception is probably significantly greater. I mean, numbers-wise, yeah, it's 5.92, which is nice, but it's 82nd in the league. Okay, so oh, that's not crazy. I don't think you're, you're not going to get a ton of tight ends up there anyway. For tight for a tight end, he has very good numbers there. But yes, yes. I mean, I, this is not. I think Kincaid has been. I don't want to even say a pleasant surprise because I think we kind of saw this coming in the summer of how good he looked in the summer. But I didn't think we would be at this point in the season getting ready for Thanksgiving and talking about Dalton Kincaid is legitimately their second best option. And if that's a great matchup against the Eagles, then take it. Make sure. Feed the guy the rock and see what he can do. Spread it to Diggs, spread it to Kincaid, and then use everybody else as kind of your complementary secondary pieces. Another guy that uh, has some really interesting numbers looking at today. So James Cook right now, now I get it. He's played one more game than most people, most Mm -hmm. players. He also had a game where he had negative yardage total, so it all washes (laughs) off to me. He's fourth in the league in rushing yards. Fourth, James Cook. And he's seventh in average. He's over five point. He's five yards a carry, Matt, but fourth in the league in rushing yards. I was stunned when I looked at that. I'm thinking, you know, people think, you know, he doesn't get the ball enough. He should be more involved. Fourth in the league. And by the way, he's got over 130 carries. And, you know, just him and Raheem Mostert are the only guys that are up there at actual volume with those kinds of yards. Yeah, it's funny because I have James Cook in the fantasy football league. And in that league, I'm pretty stacked at uh, running back. So my team in that league has Christian McCaffrey, James Conner, James Cook and Kyron Williams, who is now coming off of IR. And I am trying to figure out which one to move. Obviously, I'm not moving McCaffrey. But then you start to look at some of the other options in the league and you look at James Cook and you're like, man, I don't know if these guys are really that much an improvement over them. They're bigger names, but that doesn't mean they're better players, at least at the current moment. James Cook is a dynamic guy. And I think that this is going to be a tough matchup for him specifically running the ball. But that does not mean that he couldn't be a difference maker in this game. I mean, give them a little bit of a taste of their own medicine. One of the things that I noticed that they do a lot with Philly is dump it off to DeAndre Swift and just let him go do his thing. For some reason, the Bills have never really been able to establish a screen game. I don't know why, but maybe this is the week that they can. Maybe Joe Brady has some tricks up his sleeve and you can get James Cook more involved in that role. How did you um, how'd you feel Joe Brady handled everything? We, we heard from him Monday, the way he talked about everything, the way it went down. Um, the way everybody talked about him, um, you know, just the vibes you got, I guess, from the post first post, you know, Joe Brady game as a play caller. I think he might be good at this. And I know that's a super oversimplification of everything, but I saw the stats from Dan Orlovsky that they put players in motion, pre-snap motion more than they did in any other game. And I think Josh completed every single pass that he did when they had a pre-snap motion 15 times and all three of his touchdowns came. Yeah. I think I saw that did uh they had pre-snap motion on 15 passing plays and he completed all 15 of them and all three touchdowns came on plays where they also used pre-snap motion so hey keep doing that 
it didn't feel like they were nearly as predictable. It felt like they were a little bit more innovative. And I think the thing that Joe Brady said that stood out to me the most was, what was your message to Josh Allen? And it was to go be Josh Allen. And I think you definitely saw energy and excitement and just kind of like that, like, really fired up leader that this team has needed. I mean, that clip that's circulating on social media, I'm sure you've seen it from NFL films of him hitting Khalil Shakir for the touchdown. And then he's on the sideline and he's like, I'm expletive back. If you're a Bills fan, you have to love that because two things. One, he's acknowledging that he was not himself by saying that. And two, he thinks he's back, which is what you want to see. No doubt about it. Um, And we'd all love to continue to see that. You know, just hope it's not too little too late with the schedule they have with the Eagles coming up and then the Chiefs, obviously, by week. And then the Chiefs, the Cowboys still on the schedule. So we'll see where it goes. But right now, I think the vibes are pretty good right now uh, amongst Bills Mafia and for the Buffalo Bills. On the, in the meantime, lots of injuries, especially on the defensive side. So um, let's shift our gears and talk about that. All right, Matt. So the Bills are really dealing with more injuries here. And the great news is Taylor Rapp, might even be able to play on Sunday. Very scary situation, what happened last week with him being taken off the field on a stretcher and put in an ambulance. He never went to the hospital, uh, but he was home resting. We talked about it on the uh, podcast after the game, and now even Sean McDermott says he has a a chance to play. We don't know about Taron Johnson and Dane Jackson. They are still in the concussion protocol and will be. And oh, by the way, Micah Hyde is day-to-day and Cam Lewis is day-to-day. Yeah, they're pretty banged up in the secondary, and this is not a team that you want to be banged up in the secondary against. I do want to give credit to uh, Doug Farrar. He is the one who I saw this tweet from. The Bills used some kind of pre-snap motion on 15 of Josh Allen attempts against the New York Jets. Allen completed all 15 of those passes for three explosive plays and three touchdowns. So pretty good Joe Brady. The one that concerns me the most, though, about the secondary is Taron Johnson. Right. Like, I think you probably feel pretty good about Russell Douglas and about Christian Benford if they've got to hold down the fort. But if you do not have Taron going against this team, it's a bit of a concern. Now, the one thing that you got to kind of keep an eye on for Dallas Goddard is, is Dallas Goddard going to play because he did not play against the Chiefs. But if he doesn't play, then Devonta Smith is just like a freak. Look at these numbers when he does not play in the last two seasons. 78 yards, 50 yards, 102 yards and a touchdown, 64 and a touchdown, 126 yards, 99 yards. So those are the games that Dallas Goddard has not played. Those are Smith's numbers in those games. And I would imagine those are secondary to A.J. Brown, who is also a freak. So this is not a game to have a banged up secondary. It's better than it would have been because of Douglas and because of Benford, but still not a great situation. No doubt. And I did ask Sean McDermott on the Zoom call if the Micah Hyde injury is a new one, neck mm-hmm. slash stinger. He said, no, it's not. But the one he had, these he said these things tend to flare up, those kinds of injuries. So I'm encouraged by that. Also, Cam Lewis, day to day, that's not week to week. I'm encouraged by that. I would say Cam Lewis has played pretty well when he's been in there. He's not yeah. Taron Johnson. He's different. He's, a, he's, he's not as fluid as Taron, but I don't think that, Ter- that Cam Lewis is a bad player at all. I think he could play. He could probably start for a lot of teams in this league at nickel cornerback, but you're mm-hmm. right. I think you, you really need to have you know Taron Johnson available in this one if you can. It's going to be tough to see and interesting to note if you know these guys are going to be able to advance through the concussion protocol in seven days. The one other thing about Micah Hyde, and this is just my like perception of it. This doesn't mean that this is actually a fact or anything, but the fact that he talked to us after the game is usually a good sign as far as injury status is concerned. You know what I mean? Like he came out and did a press conference with Jordan Poyer and acted like everything was normal. Now, in reality, what probably happened was he got home, 
and he was sore or he was sore the next morning. The doctors looked at it and were like, okay, we got to, you know, keep you kind of just keep it low, lay low this week. And that's what I would imagine happens. I mean, they're doing a walkthrough on Wednesday. We won't be there Thursday because it's the holiday. I would imagine he's a non-participant both of those days. And then if he is good to go, he'll probably practice Friday. And then like this guy doesn't need all of the practice snaps. I know this is a tough team. This is a really tough matchup, but you can afford to let Micah Hyde miss two practices and still be ready to go. It'll be a really interesting injury report to watch all week. I Would you agree with me that um, not only, obviously, the Chiefs getting a loss is the good thing for the Bills, but the Eagles coming off a win on a short week. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. that's got to be good. You, you don't want that mad and angry backs against the wall. And I'll even say, they're no. you know who their next two games are? The Eagles, do you know, after the Bills? 49ers. Yep. Give me a hint on the other one. Another really big game for them. NFC? Like the Niners? Yes. Uh, In the division. Cowboys? Cowboys. Yeah. Niners, wow. Cowboys, okay. Seahawks. Their next three games. But I, I just think this is a spot where I'm not say, you know, I, I'm just big on that kind of thing. Like a maybe not trap game necessarily, but you know, you're gonna have a real high emotion beating the Chiefs, the Super Bowl champs that you just lost to, coming back, long flight home. You're getting back in on Tuesday morning. You're trying to get back mm -hmm. together. You know, by the time you get, you know, really in depth on the Bills are prepared, maybe the Bills have a bit of a leg up, right? That's kind of what I'm thinking. And if you're Nick Sirianni, you may be managing your team a little more to make sure that you're ready as best you could be for those really important NFC games after this. Yeah, well, it's like the same thing with the. It's different because they're nine and one. You know, they're going to the playoffs. They're fighting for the one seed, not a playoff spot. But for them, this game is not as important as the 49ers, as the Cowboys. It's just like for the Bills, how this game is not as important as the game against the Chiefs, or not as important as the game against the Chargers, the Patriots, or especially the Dolphins the last week of the year. The AFC games are just more important because of the conference record and what the implications of that mean. I think that is something to be said, though, about for this week for the Bills. No matter what happens, they are still still alive. No matter what, if they lose this game, even if they go into the bye week at six and six, they still have a chance. They still are absolutely in the race. You got a scoreboard watch. You got to see what's going on around the league. But yeah, I, I like the matchup a lot more. I think Monday night was almost the perfect scenario for the Bills because the Chiefs lost, the Eagles won, so now you're not getting them off of a loss. And neither team looked particularly dominant. They looked like good teams, but we knew they were going to be good teams. But they did not look like teams where it was going to be like, oh gosh, the Bills are in trouble. Like I watched that game and I was like, the Bills can beat both of these teams. How bad are the uh, Chiefs receivers, basically? I mean, they've cost them all year and they cost them big time Monday night. It's their fault. It's their own fault. Like, why didn't they go sign DeAndre Hopkins? Or why didn't they go trade for DeAndre Hopkins? Why did they let themselves get to this situation? Probably for the same reason the Bills didn't. There's not a lot of money there. They've, they, they, they don't have a lot of money in the salary cap. I know, but... You can always make space. I think you can. I don't, I don't think it's as easy as people think all the time. Speaking of which, by the way, I will also mention before we, you know, for, before I forget, Shaq Leonard released by the um, Colts. I'm now, glad you brought that up. The Bills have the 18th waiver priority if they wanted to claim him. But even if they did, Matt, $6.1 million, mm -hmm. uh -uh, not happening. They can't fit him in. Just can't. Can't fit him in. You'd have yeah. to make a series of roster moves otherwise, and that's just not going to happen. For a guy that really hasn't played great football this year when he has played, um, that said, if he does clear waivers, he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Then it's basically about, Hey, you want to come here and play for peanuts and compete for a super bowl? Maybe that happens with the bills or any other team. But mm -hmm. I mean, 
it you have to think with their linebacker situation, they'd at least maybe think about it. Yeah, I think they'd think about it, but are they at this point a legit contender? I mean, if he's not going to make a decision in the next three or four days and you don't know what happens with the I mean, sure, if they beat the Eagles and you're seven and five and it's your bye week, I bet that would be a really enticing option to be like, okay, listen, you, you get to come in with a week off and we can get you acclimated when try and get you on the field as soon as possible. But, you know, if they do lose to the Eagles, which is obviously a very real possibility and you're six and six, you got like a 15, 20% chance of making the playoffs. I don't think Shaq Leonard is coming to, you know, play five games for you and then go. No, but, but I just want to take it from the Bills side, though. You're, you're right about that. Oh, like, yeah. I'm, I'm asking you, do you think the Bills should be interested in doing that? Yeah, I do. I do. I think that he would be a nice fit for them alongside Terrell Bernard. But at the same time, I don't think he's even close to the player he once was. No, that's exactly right. I agree with you. No, I, I don't think he's going to want to make a decision right away unless a team said, dude, we got to have you this week or you got to make a decision now. We don't want to wait. That could happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the Bills are still considered contenders. But you're right. If they lose on Sunday, it changes the narrative. They win. You know, I mean, obviously, look, if the Bills beat the Eagles on Sunday, you know what's going to happen. Monday, the headlines are going to be, okay, Bills are back. Are they one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl? You don't want to face the Bills. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what the national media is going to say on on top of all of us locally. Yeah, well, I mean, that already was happening. I was watching ESPN on Tuesday afternoon, and it was like, what team is the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC? And there was four different analysts on ESPN, and here's the four different answers they had. One person said the Ravens, understood. One person said the Dolphins, understood. One person said the Bills. That was Dan Graziano, who's been around the team a lot. He's covered them. And then one person said the Broncos. Because they've won four in a row, and they know that they can beat the Chiefs, and they just beat the Bills, too, so they've beat some good teams. So I was like, okay, those are interesting. Really all over the board. All right, doesn't doesn't that really just kind of speak to what the AFC is right now, though, right? You think about that, what the AFC Mm -hmm. is, for sure. Uh, Speaking of that, let's uh, talk about this week's schedule. Thanksgiving game. So you are cooking the turkey, and you're going to do the wishbone this year. And what are you doing as far as you you got – what's your policy? What's your policy going to be on – watching football games while you're cooking and everybody's coming over and all that kind of stuff and eating. So So. we have, I think about 20 people, maybe 25 people coming over. So it's actually kind of a lot. We set up the table in the dining room and then two smaller tables kind of attached to them. And that will fit 12 people. And then we have another table that will fit about six people. So math, that does not equal 20 or 25. And the mindset behind that was that myself, my father-in-law, my brother-in-law, maybe my uncle and a couple other people are going to just eat on our laps in the living room so we can watch football while everybody else sits down and actually eats. So I think it's one of my favorite days of the year. I don't think it is one of my favorite days of the year. And to not be working this year, I think is really cool because this is kind of all we've known now for the last four years. Three of the last four years, the Bills have played on Thanksgiving. So my Thanksgiving experiences have been just really weird. They've been working for the last couple of years. Now that I'm not working, I intend to hang out at home, lay low, and watch football. Like That's all I really want to do. Packers-Lions get it started at 12.30, tradition in Detroit, and then Commanders-Cowboys, mm-hmm. tradition in Dallas after that. And then night game is Niners-Seahawks. Eh, it's, not, it's not a bad matchup. doesn't super appeal to me because it's not a game that's of notable interest for the Bills in any regard, mm-hmm. but it's not a yeah. bad matchup. So in that regard, I can say that's cool. That way I don't have to have any stress about it. I can just kind of watch it and let my belly relax. Of the three time slots the Bills have played in, what was your favorite one on Thanksgiving? Uh, I think the middle game, the 4 425 game. 
I think that is one of my most memorable games that I've ever covered. That was so that atmosphere. It it legitimately felt different after that game. It felt like they arrived. Like it felt like they showed up on the national stage and everybody was like, Josh Allen might be good. This team might be good. I remember talking to those guys after the game and they were on fire. They were like, not to us, but to like all the national people. They were like, you picked against us. You picked against us. Screw you. Screw you. We're good. I remember the thing of the clip of Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson doing the like Dak thing on the field after the game where they were like imitating his hip thing. Or how about they were doing that? Ezekiel Elliott, like that. Right. Th- that was that. a crazy, was crazy game. game. And I don't almost remember anything from the same. Was that, was that your than... favorite time slot too? Uh, my you favorite, favorite time, time slot. slot. Yeah. My favorite time slot was the 1230 game. I think that would be my favorite as a fan too. Like if I was watching my team, I would want to watch at 1230 because then I think you just do dinner after that. As long as you win, right? Because if you lose, it kind of yeah. ruins the day. Now on Friday, we have the first ever Black Friday game. It's Dolphins Jets. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to sit around and watch Black Friday. Dolphins nope. Jets. And I realized, wait a minute. Turn it on. Don't turn it on. Why not? You're not going to watch it? What do we need to watch for? Why would you not watch Dolphins Jets on Friday at all? Like what? You don't think, I mean, the Jets defense is legit. Like you don't think they can at least slow down the Dolphins and Jets have a new quarterback. I'm not saying they're going to beat them. It's absolutely intriguing though to watch. I I don't think it is. What time is the game? Three. Okay. I'll watch it. Like I say, I'm not going to watch it. I'm going to watch it, but I don't think that the Jets have any chance. I think they're terrible. Their offense is so bad that I just don't even like the Dolphins haven't scored. You said it on the last podcast. They haven't scored more than 20 points. And I think any game except one in the last six weeks, seven weeks, whatever it is, if they score 10 points, they're going to win. Do you know who the Jets beat in weeks five and six? Uh, The Eagles, I think. The Broncos and the Eagles. Yeah. Look, I I just, I'm not telling you they're going to win. I don't think they probably won't. I also know that the Miami Dolphins scored only 20 points against the Raiders last week and have scored more than, and have scored more than 20 points once in their last four games. Maybe I'm doing like a reverse jinx or something. Can you imagine if that game happens on Friday and the jets beat the dolphins, how much more juice the bills have on Sunday? Yeah, I know that it's amazing to think about. Listen, I, I was super jacked to watch it. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I have roundtable on WGR at like four o'clock, and then we're leaving for the Sabers game, which starts at six o'clock Friday. So I'm I don't really think, that up. I'm not. I don't know how much I can even watch, to be honest with you. I am thinking about going to the Sabers game on Friday and bringing the baby. Oh, all right, I love it. Is this too early? No, I took Max to Sabers games when I was holding him in a basset out a stroller. I don't know. Yeah, I took Max well, I mean, to. A, I took Max to Fenway Park. And a stroller sat and stood up at the uh, standing room only. Well, that's what we would be dealing with. I mean, Ellie is like eight and a half months old. Now, we have like the little headset for her if we decide we want to do this. But I don't know. Is that too young? No. The only question is how you're going to deal with her and where she's going to, like as far as sitting and making sure that you're all comfortable and okay. Oh, she's the coolest baby. coolest baby. Then you're totally fine. You don't have to pay. She sits on your lap. What? Mm-hmm. There's no other like drawback. She's not going to get. Yeah, if you put the stuff on her ears, that's even better. But well, well nothing. It there's checks, nothing negative I can yeah, find yeah. from it. 
it checks a lot of boxes because it's a little bit earlier than a normal game. Like we said, eventually we want to take her to her first game. It's a holiday weekend, so I think everybody's going to be in a better mood. It's going to be a busy arena, which to me, I know you would say like, well, that's counterintuitive. Wouldn't you want to take her to her first game when there's nobody there? No, like I want it to be like a cool game, a cool atmosphere. But six o'clock game, conceivably, she normally goes to bed at 830. We'd probably get her to bed at nine o'clock instead of 830, unless the game takes forever and goes to overtime or whatever. So yeah, I'm thinking about doing it. I don't know yet because it's also it's my birthday weekend. So this is like, oh, you know, happy birthday. Yeah, what so day is your birthday? Monday. Monday. My mom's a Sunday. So there you go. Happy birthday. Oh, yeah. So she's mom. the 26th. Yeah, she is. Okay. I'm the 27th. While, and Stephon, while we're in and Philadelphia. Stefan Diggs is the 28th. 29th, I think. No, I think 28th. I think it's the day uh, after me. Look that up. You better look that up. I think it's the 29th. Look okay, it up right now. Look it up right now. I, I'm just Ste- off the top of my head. Stefan Diggs Stephon is turning 30. 30. Yes, he is. On what day? I think it's the 29th. You're right. You're the right. 29th. Oh, yes. There You're you right. Go. Only because we uh, only because we asked Alexa or Siri or somebody like that the other day in our house just because we knew it was coming up soon. Um. All right. Before we get out of here, who should Bill, Bills fans want to win? Are you ready? Yep. Give you a yep. few games here. Steelers, who just fired their offensive coordinator mm-hmm. at Canada, at Bengals. Steelers are six and four. Bengals are five and five. Root for the Bengals in that game. Because I think the Steelers are a bigger concern moving forward because of no Joe Burrow. I agree with that. The only issue is if the Bengals win and the Bills lose, the Bengals then pass the Bills, another team that passes the Bills because they'll have the head-to-head, and right now they don't. But I agree with you. I think if everything you just said is right, I think Bills mm-hmm. fans should root for the Bengals to win that game. Yep. Jaguars, 7-3 and three at Texans, 6-4. and four. Jags, for sure. Yes. Sure. Let the Jags yeah. win the division and uh-huh. beat out the wildcard teams, right? Yeah. If that's if another that's one, one, if the Jags, Jags win that game and, and the Bills win, win, the Bills would be in a playoff play spot, play, right? Oh, yeah. The Bills are yeah. only behind them, right? I think, well, they're in the eighth and think the Texans are in the seventh right now. Yeah. Okay. Browns, seven and three at Broncos, five and five. Broncos, even though I know they don't have the tiebreaker against the Broncos, I still think Broncos. I think so, too. I mean, if you get to, if you get, if you get the Browns to seven and four, mm-hmm. I mean, even though the Broncos could go to six and five, you could lose to the Eagles if they'd pass you too. It'd be tough. But yeah, I agree with you because I don't still think the Browns will sustain with their quarterback situation, right? No, and I don't think the Broncos will keep this going. Um, like I, I think you can spot them another win. After this, they've got the Texans. So another game that obviously would have implications for the Bills. The Chargers, who I'm not writing off yet. The Lions, who I think are good. The Patriots, who we can write off. The Chargers again, and then the Raiders the last week of the season. So it's by no means like an absolute gauntlet, but it's not a cakewalk either. And there's no doubt you got to root for the Raiders to beat the Chiefs, right? You wouldn't root for the Chiefs. Yeah, you'd root for the Raiders. Okay. Well, there's some interesting games coming up this week. By the way, Ravens at Chargers wraps up Sunday's action. Ravens, Chargers? Chargers? Yeah. If the Chargers lose that game, do they fire Staley? They might. I would say this, though. It's a good point you raised. I don't know if the fire Staley. I think you want the Ravens to win for the fact that maybe, okay, just let them, you know, if you're not going to catch them. But here, here's why. I think if, if the Chargers lose, they could be in let's evaluate mode by the time the Bills play them. That could yeah, be a I reason agree. why you want the Chargers to keep losing. 
But at the same mm-hmm. time, giving the Ravens would a loss would not be a horrible thing. No, no, I agree with you there. I, th- I still think you root for the Ravens in that situation because, like Joey Bosa, I think just went on IR. It's the same but reason you gave me about the Dolphins the other day. Like the Dolphins would have I mean. nothing to pay for, play for against the Bills if they, you know, are in the division lead. And in this case, mm-hmm. I'd say the Chargers, Bosa, like you're saying, and I mean, if they're in evaluation mode Christmas weekend, then they're going to be playing backups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. The only thing different there is it's like a three week difference. So I think that even if your team is trash, Justin Herbert is still playing. Keenan Allen is still playing. All those guys are still playing unless there's like a legitimate reason to keep them out of the game. Where in the Dolphins game, if they're not really playing for anything other than the difference between a two seed and a three seed with the injury history of Tua, with Jalen Ramsey coming off of an injury, with Tyree Kill, like I don't even think you're letting those guys see the field. I don't think you're letting them play a quarter, a half. I think you were just sitting them. And if it comes down to it, you and you need to win that game and you can't against the backups, then you wouldn't do anything in the playoffs anyway. Matt, um, not to be too emotional or anything, but I know it's your first Thanksgiving without your father. So I yeah. just want to say I know your 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 family's thoughts will be with ours. Uh I'm Thank your, you. you know, we'll have you in our thoughts and I know it might be tough. I'm glad you guys have a lot of people coming over that'll help a lot. Yeah, that's why we're do- I mean, we're doing it. My mom and dad hosted Thanksgiving my entire life. It, to, new tradition for to you put, then? Yeah, new tradition, bringing the families together now. I mean, we used to have to do like, you know, go to my in-laws and then go to my parents' house and do, but now we've got the baby. So it's 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 a weird emotion because it's the, I will be thinking about my dad more than I'll be thinking about the baby, even though it's the baby's first Thanksgiving. I know the happy thoughts should probably outweigh the sad thoughts, but I think just the way I'm wired, I'm going to be thinking about him not being there more than I'm going to be thinking about, hey, it's the first one with the baby, but starting a new tradition, always have the memories, obviously. I'll just be thinking about him a lot that day. And, you know, I appreciate you saying that. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, You have a great Thanksgiving. We'll catch up in Philadelphia then over the weekend, I guess. You're going to get a cheesesteak? Yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I have to check. That's a good question. Somebody asked me today, a buddy of mine's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't really have any great plans on Saturday night yet. You got to do it, right? It's like and it's like when you come to Buffalo, you got to get wings. So at some mm-hmm. point, you got to get a cheesesteak when you go to Philadelphia. Here's the only issue, though. I don't really eat a lot of cheese. So I can get the I can get the cheesesteak without the cheese. Just steak. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? I don't really eat a lot of cheese. Do you, What do you do for pizza? I do eat pizza, it, you know, but I pay for it. But I eat it. I'm okay. I'm I'm not a big cheese guy. I, like I don't put cheese on everything either. I just, no. Mozzarella's fine actually. I can I can do that a little bit better. And I don't love the could, taste of a lot of cheese. But. Uh-huh. Could you get a cheesesteak with mozzarella instead of like cheese whiz? Probably, yeah. It'd be okay. I wouldn't I still wouldn't love it, but it'd be a little better for me. It's not, not worth it on the road. Probably not. Yes. No, that's like one of those things. The Bills, they take very good care of us in the press box as far as food is concerned. In yeah. the last game they had shrimp. And I sat there and I looked at it and I'm like, I really like shrimp, but I don't know if I want to have press box shrimp and not be home for like seven hours. That feels risky <laughs> to me. <laughs> it just feels so risky. You didn't eat it? I did. I did. Still. <laughs> you, I, I did the podcast with it. I think you're okay. I don't know. It seemed like to me. Or I, 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 I once, once had, had a tuna sandwich from the WKBW break room. Like, like they have like a fridge that like you can go in and it's like self-service and there's like pre-made sandwiches in there. there. Yeah, and I once I had a, had I once got a tuna sandwich from there because it was like during Lent or something. And the way my coworkers looked at me, like the fact that you would eat a tuna sandwich out of a break room, like fridge, 
And I was like, it says it's not expired for like two weeks. I mean, whatever. How's it any different than like turkey? They're just but they thought it was like crazy. sandwich snobs. That's all. Don't worry about that, man. Yeah, that's what I mean. Come on, guys. It was like two dollars. <laughs> we hope everybody who's listening and watching has a fantastically happy and awesome Thanksgiving. Enjoy the games. Enjoy your friends and family. We will talk to you next time after the Bills play the Eagles on Sunday and kind of break that down for you from Philadelphia or wherever we're going to be at the time. And we'll see what happens with the Bills, you know, as they head to their bye week after that. But have a great Thanksgiving. And um, Matt, if you want to say anything before we go, obviously you have the floor to do that as well. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I'll echo what Sal said. I hope you all have an amazing, great time with friends, family, whoever you're spending time with. Bills 28, Eagles 26.